0: Lorenzi, eccolo il cross tagliato di testa che il magnifico, il
1: magnifico, il magnifico rettore! Live! Boom! Boom! Check In The entertainment capital of the world! What a strike! What a goal! What a comeback! What a game! What? to describe it? It's the TC Martin show. Les Géorges, mais cette fois-ci, il y en a pas pour encore. Très fort devant le but. la la Game! It's time to get your daily prescription from the doctor. TC Martin.
2: El largo pifio. Messi la tiene, Messi, Messi, Messi. Ahí está Iniesta!
1: Is now
0: in.
2: Glad to have you with us. Hour number two, Terrible Tuesday Edition, TC Martin Show, Ballpark Frank in the house. Want to thank Steve Burline for joining us last hour, talking a little NFL. We'll talk some college football this hour with Houston Nutt from CBS. So we're getting our CBS crew in. And uh, Mark Ratner going to join us this hour as well, too. The former executive director of the Nevada State Athletic Commission. Talk about some boxing. Of course, he is the vice president of regulatory affairs for the UFC. So we got all of that covered for you. Here in hour number two of the program, maybe a couple more terrible Tuesday thoughts uh, as well coming your way. You know, we had that soccer open today. You know, we had Germany and Spain today. And the Nations Cup, followed by uh, Portugal and whoever they played today. Croatia. That's what it was. That's why I knew it was for me. I had Croatia and Portugal, Germany and Spain. That's a doubleheader. That'll trump any of your DC Dynamos or whatever. The, or the Dinos. NC
3: Dynos, <laughs> they are the first place team in the KBO all season long. They're playing the second place team, the team that has won three of the last five championships in the Doosan Bears. It's Exciting baseball. It's not always the best quality baseball, but it's pretty good baseball over there. I, I, I've, I've enjoyed the Korean baseball organization this entire year. They do do some strange things, but uh, you know what? If you can't sleep at night, and remember, because of the time change, because they don't change the clocks over there, the games now start at one
2: thirty a.m. <laughs> instead of 2.30 a.m. <laughs> How are the fans there? Are they, are they packing fans in? Oh, yeah, or? the fans are starting to come back What's the a little capacity? more.
3: I, I don't know exactly what the capacity is, but it looks like there's a lot more fans than there used to be. Do they have restraints, though, on how many fans can attend, or I is it just wide open? I believe there are restraints. I don't think it's completely wide open, but there's, there's a pretty good number of fans there. And I will say one thing. they don't show. I don't see anybody not wearing a mask. And tell me again why we're talking about the KBO because you just brought it up in this particular <laughs> instance, but, but I have been watching the games. Do some bears are, uh, you know, that like I say, the three out of the last five, they did lose last night. Five to three if you missed the first hour of the show. And the team that has won the first game of the best of seven, which could be more than seven, uh, has gone on to win 27. 27 and nine is the record there. So basically they win at about a 75% clip there.
2: Wow. There you have it. All right. So, game two tonight. Yeah, game two one
3: thirty. 1.30. Yeah, yeah. 1.25, the pregame, then one thirty around that time first <laughs> pitch.
2: <laughs> You're killing me, Smalls. You're killing me. That's okay. We know that they are – You with the so- – by, by the
3: way, that Croatia-Portugal soccer match, they were expecting a low-scoring affair. They weren't really sure because the field was a little bit slippery and there were some other uh, instances there. So, they were wondering about how the pace of that game would be going. Are
2: you being serious, or are you just making that up right I'm now? totally being serious. Really- yes, I <laughs> caught that while
3: I was doing my prep, uh, doing some terrible Tuesday research. So, yes, I caught a little bit of that myself as well. So, yes. I, I'm a sports junkie and watch a lot of I, – I watch a lot of badminton, for crying out loud. Badminton
2: is awesome. <laughs> yeah, I know how you feel about badminton. Jeez. Maybe you should uh, coach some, uh, some elementary school badminton teams. Because I, I was going to say high school. I did – I guess they do have high. They still have some high school badminton. I students. have no idea.
3: Yeah. They didn't have badminton when I was going to high school. I know, Uh-oh. but I do know that Li Na, at one time, the number one women's <laughs> tennis player in the world, who only became the number one woman's tennis player from the WTA because she wasn't good enough to play badminton, in the and the nation of China basically told her, "You're not good enough. You have to find another sport." So she picked up tennis.
2: Wow, we've hit an all-time low. We went from Korean baseball to badminton in in, in the With top soccer of the, in the middle. With soccer in the middle. <laughs> there's, there's nothing wrong with that. All that right, I'll, t- I'll tell you what's not terrible here on a terrible Tuesday is Mark Ratner joins us now, the vice president of regulatory affairs with the UFC. What is going on, marvelous one? Uh,
0: doctor, very good. Just um, listening to a little music, waiting for you guys. A little Sinatra, just to get a little retrospective of things. So uh, here
2: I am. Little Sinatra. Any uh, specific song that uh, got you in the mood for us here today? Uh, one for the road, one for my baby, and one more for the road. That's the one. <laughs> there you go. All right. So th- that's all we need to hear here. Uh, you want to go Frank Sinatra? We'll go Frank Sinatra with you anytime. Here, there we go. Feel I'm, like I'm back yeah. on car okay. okay There, there it is. There it is. We're playing all the hits here today. The TC Martin Show. Here's the best of Frank Sinatra with special guest DJ Marvelous Mark Ratner. It's quarter to three. <laughs> That's perfect. No, I mean, it actually, is almost quarter to three. Well, we're past quarter to three. There you go. Almost a quarter
3: after three, but close yeah. enough. Yeah,
2: close enough. There you go. See? And, and, and gr-
0: growing up here, I got to see uh, at the Sands, Sinatra, Dean Martin, Peter Lawford, and Sammy
2: Davis all together. In one show. Marvelous. You're showing your Back age now. In the day. You're showing your age right I now, my friend. Old, there I you go. I'm an old guy.
3: <laughs> I remember one time a friend of mine said they were going to see Sinatra, and they didn't realize it was Frank Sinatra Jr. They were not happy.
2: <laughs> 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 All right, Mark, I want to touch on uh, some boxing that we would hit on the show yesterday from Saturday night. And I know that you watch the card, and you still follow boxing, even though that you know you're – Day job slash night job, all jobs, uh, or with the UFC right now. Not all jobs, because this guy has more jobs than anybody that we know. His business card is is I think uh, more than two sided with all the jobs that he has. But anyway, <laughs> he's got
3: a business tablet.
2: He does exactly. <laughs> Joshua Franco, Andrew Maloney on the undercard of the Terrence Crawford Kell Brook fight. I know you watched it. You have been. In that position before, as the regulator, as the executive director of the Nevada State Athletic Commission, back in the day, and I know that you know you were watching this this fight intently, like we all were, and we're seeing the delay of if twenty six minutes. We talked to Bob Bennett yesterday, um, and again, not asking you uh, you know it, you know anything here, but just to get your opinion on what your eyes saw, and uh, if you were in a situation like that, how would you handle it? Well uh
0: during my tenure we didn't have a replay I I always wanted at some point a replay and um and we were never able to uh to get it voted in it wasn't quite ready yet uh the commission and, and Mr. Bennett are sending me a frame by frame uh, of the uh, uh of the headbutt or non headbutt uh, it's uh I'm I'm waiting to get it so I can really make a, an informed answer um uh, when I watched it that night uh I didn't see a headbutt, but um, something in the first round they're telling me uh, possibly might have uh, caused it. So I'll look at everything, and uh, uh, I I just can't answer what I would have done having uh, not done any replay back then.
2: Yeah, exactly. And, and uh, I am I, ha- I have it. Bob Bennett sent it to me yesterday. So I'm going to forward it to you, marvelous one. There you go. I'll send it to you right okay. now. How's that? There you go. So That's very good. Get it right from the source. There it is. You know, talk about replay, because it's such a, a big thing in sports. And I know that, like you said, there is always talk about having it in boxing. It was actually instituted here by the Nevada State Athletic Commission last year. Uh, and, uh, you know, I think, I believe, you know, MMA – uh, either uses it or you can go into d- detail with that, but give us your thoughts on the procedures where they are right now with replay in boxing or UFC.
0: Well, uh, we'll talk about boxing. Uh, first of all, they, they put uh, a position called uh replay uh, operator or official replay official. I think it's R O and uh his job is to be watching the video and watching the, the monitor. And if there's something that uh, he sees, then they'll put a yellow light up on the ring or on their table now because they're away from the ring. And the timekeeper will put it up, and that alerts the uh, the world that they're going to replay this, uh, possibly between rounds or maybe right then. So that that's the official way uh, they talked about doing. Uh, in MMA, it's... it's uh, primarily the same we're just uh, we've only had it officially uh, for the last three weeks but uh, it's something that uh, I think that replay uh, having been involved with replay in, in college football and now uh, watching how it works in, in, the, in with the Raiders uh, I think if if it can make uh, whatever happens right and correct it then that's what you want and that's what replay is for
3: when it comes to replays like that, is one of the concerns in this particular instance because it took so long to get to the decision, or is the bottom line still just as long as it's the right decision?
0: Well, you you certainly want uh you want to, to really take a look and make the right decision. Uh I don't think that they were reviewing it for the whole twenty six minutes in in a replay mode, but they were they were I guess were trying to see if there was anything else. Uh that's the part you'd have to ask uh Mr. Bennett, but um, I know an NFL guy from replay uh, at the Raider game said if we took over two and a half minutes, uh, we'd already be out of the booth by, by halftime. So they were they were funny about it.
2: Mm. So when we understand, you know, as a regulator in that position, like you were in and Bob Bennett is in that, you know, again, your, your main concern is, is the fighters. There's no invested interest. And I think a lot of people get all of that twisted, but then you're also there to protect your officials, your judges and your referees. And, and we've seen that happen in the sport of boxing before, and probably even UFC, and you can go into detail about that. Right. More. But, uh. You know, how much of a concern is that there? Okay, you, if you have a referee who has made a decision, and then, you know, we always say with the NFL, it has to be, you know, uh, undisputed evidence to overturn the call. And talking to Bob Bennett yesterday on the show, he basically said that they were looking for something to overturn the referee, Russell Morris, call. Uh, Do you feel that, that that should be the staple there? or the measuring stick, or you know, to uphold a, a referee's call to really show above and beyond? Or should it just be, hey, we want to make sure we get the right decision and make the call right?
0: Uh, yes, yeah. so the bottom line is, uh, in any kind of sport with replay, you want to get the call right. And, and that's that's your first concern. Uh, the first concern in any, any combat sport or, or any sport is injury and, and the health of, of, of the combatants. But then if you go to replay... Uh, that's what it's for, to correct if there's an error. And uh, I I think what uh, Mr. Ben is saying is that uh, uh, there was a possible um, but in the first round, and that possibly led to the eye closing later on in the second round. So I think that's what they're saying.
2: All right, Mark Ratner joins us, Vice President of Regulatory Affairs with the UFC. And, of course, Mark, uh, longtime Executive Director for The Nevada State Athletic Commission oversaw so many world championship uh, uh, fights uh, going back uh, 70s, the 80s, the 90s, the early 2000s. And like I said, Mark, you've been in the city for a long, long time as a regulator. Uh, You have opinions on both sports. There's always that debate out there. Uh, UFC versus boxing. I I don't really want to get into that with you, but I I want your opinion since you're still pretty much invested in both sports which sport do you feel is in better shape right now just from a public persona and and everything else as far as viewership and uh and where it is with the attention of viewers and listeners and fans
0: well one of the problems that's been in in boxing forever is with all these different sanctioning bodies where the public cannot decide which champion is best or which one is a champion. And I, I think with the four major, uh, WBA, WBO, BC and IBF, there's 64 champions. That, that's unbelievable, right? There can't be that many, but that's, <laughs> that's what's happened. And it's hard to even name the heavyweight champions. And, and that used to be the toughest or baddest man in the world. So, uh, I, I believe that and boxing will always be around uh it, it I, I I don't know how it can be fixed uh the promoters have to get together and put put on the fights that the uh, that the public wants and put them on in the, in the right time zone and and uh, Floyd and Pacquiao was five years late. You don't want that if you can do it. And uh, the one good thing about the UFC and and Dana's uh, motto is uh, let's put on the fights when we can and and, and put on the ones that the the, the fans really want right now. And uh, that's what we try and do here.
3: One of the things that uh, both boxing and MMA, UFC, have in common is the official's ringside or cage side for the fights. Um, How frustrating is that sometimes when you do have controversy after a fight? Now, in this particular boxing match, we're talking about a controversy with the replay and what happened. It wasn't necessarily the judges, but that same night in the UFC event, there was some question about although Dos Anjos beat Felder and the right guy won, in most people's opinion— he won 50-45 on two judges' scorecards, but it was a split decision because the other judge had it
0: 48-47. Yes, I found that uh, very troubling.
3: Uh
0: I thought at at the worst it was 4 to 1, probably 5-0. I, I have not had a chance to talk to the official that had it uh for Uh I will be talking to him tomorrow just so I can try to get some clarity of what he thought he saw or what he what he saw and uh it, it was uh, it was the wrong score the right guy won but uh there should never shouldn't be that kind of discrepancy and and that's a pretty big one and uh yeah i was disappointed that uh, it wasn't unanimous and and it should have been at least 4 to 1
2: you know mark when a lot of people talk about the ufc preferring ufc over boxing it's it's basically for the fact that you just mentioned with all of those uh you know so many belts uh, you have rival promoters, and the good thing about UFC is that everything is under one umbrella. Sure, there's other MMA, um, you, know, san- you know, not sanctioned by organizations, other, or, or organizations like Bellator. and yeah, it, Other it, promoters, it, of it, course. Exactly. Yeah. However, but UFC is the king with this because all of those fighters that Dana White signs is is under one umbrella. And, again, really there is no competing promoters, so to speak. So you can match the guy's... Uh, you know, uh, accordingly, etc., etc. et, cetera, et cetera. With, with boxing, it's just always been this way, like you said. And Terrence Crawford is a perfect example. Uh, he just can't fight any of the other welterweights because those guys are locked up with PBC and Al Heyman and company. Why is it so difficult for boxing to go the way UFC would go and have everything under one umbrella and be less confusing, fewer belts, and really, a lot less controversy
0: uh, that's the age old question and, and you go back to uh, with with uh, don king and and bob and uh, but I always felt when it was mutually beneficial, the promoters did get together, and uh, the best example I can give you is uh, Tito Trinidad and de la jolla right. uh, they they did fight and and uh, Trinidad was uh, a staple of Don's, and uh, obviously Oscar at that time was with Bob. And it was such a huge fight, and it was at the right time. And uh, to this day, a lot of people think that Oscar got robbed in that fight. But uh, uh, a big night for boxing, and, and that's the way it should be. And uh, I'm looking forward to seeing if they get back together, Fury and, and Deontay. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what boxing should have, and it shouldn't take a year or so after the fight. And uh, I'm hoping they do get together or, or have this uh, Joshua guy fight. Mm-hmm. Uh, heavyweights are still what people want to see, and uh, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that uh, all those fights can be made.
2: Is is the UFC was it so much easier to do this basically to have everybody under one umbrella so to speak? Because at that point in time, UFC was was new, and boxing had you know half a century, nearly a century of tradition here where it was done that way with you know various promoters. Is that why UFC was successful to do this? Because Dana White kind of started something from scratch, so to speak.
0: Well, we're, we're all. Products from boxing, and uh, I think uh, Lorenzo Perdita and Dana uh, saw some of the uh, problems in boxing, and they wanted to do it in a, in a better way. And uh, I think they learned that, that this was the way to do it. And and as you mentioned, there are other promoters. There, there's the world is huge now with with MMA fighters from all over, and uh, our matchmakers are constantly looking at fighters. Tonight we have this thing called the Contender Dana White's Contender Series, and and we're we're putting these guys in there and and we we're, we're picking out fighters after they win and and they go right into the UFC and fight and it's like a farm squad so uh you've got to keep doing that and uh, and, and build the sport it's uh sports are going to get bigger and bigger and, and there's so many kids in brazil or and dagestan that that are just learning the sport and and i i believe uh, it's going to get stronger it's going to change and evolve
3: Well, and you mentioned how the world is getting bigger, and certainly over in Asia, it's exploding, and down in Australia and other places. And I know that one of your jobs when you went to UFC was to get it sanctioned and legalized in not only a lot of different states and cities around here. New York was one of the big coups that it took you a while to get to, but also in other nations out there. What is the plan going ahead assuming that we get back to some summer normalcy and that you can start going places again? Because right now you've been at the Apex in Vegas and on Fight Island. Are you looking to expand to some other places that you still haven't reached to? Or are you looking to uh, just try to get some fights in places where you've been before but you haven't been in a while?
0: Uh, I think the answer is both. Uh, every Wednesday we talk to the French Boxing Commission. Uh, we wanted to go there um Actually, uh, probably it would have been sometime in November, but, uh, with the COVID, uh, obviously we cannot do that, but, uh, uh Paris, uh, would be a, 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 big thing for us. Uh, I, I think we'll go back to, uh, to London. We'll certainly go back to the garden. Uh, we love going to New York, but, uh. Vegas is our home. Uh, We love uh, T-Mobile, and and the Apex has been a godsend. Uh, It's a real television-friendly arena. We built it uh, not knowing we would be there uh, maybe for the last 10 weeks and and before that, but uh, it's perfect for what we're doing now. (laughs) But we're looking forward to traveling again.
2: It sounds just like the Silver Nugget home of the NWC back in the 90s, right, Mark? Perfect for television, right? Uh, you know,
0: It really was. I like the silver nugget. I, I, I missed those fights. I, I miss my old friend, Leon, the timekeeper, calling into your show. There you
2: go. <laughs> Before we let you go, uh, you're very involved with UNLV, the Raiders, uh, a, a, a plethora of jobs, and to give my best to Leon, the timekeeper. I love that guy. I have for, for decades. Uh, UNLV announces that the last two games at Allegiant Stadium, no fans. They had to, uh, limited it to 2,000 fans for the first couple home games. And then basketball. Basketball will start with no fans. Uh, give us your take on this.
0: Well, uh, I, I feel bad that there'll be no fans. I, I just got the basketball schedule. The first game Hoops is uh, November 25th, I think, against Montana State or something like that. Um, everybody misses the fans. I think the players, the fighters, there's a certain electricity when you have the fans there. But it's important to to get the game started and playing uh so i'm looking forward to next uh next wednesday night uh and football um it's amazing you put 2000 people in into the elysian and you can't even find them that's a big place and they're scattered around so uh what i really can't imagine when it's full when it's 65,000 how uh how will we get out of there it's going to be so crazy but uh it's what a wonderful arena
2: it is. All right. Mark Ratner, the vice president of regulatory affairs with the UFC. And we got a big pay-per-view Saturday night, Mark, right? Send us out on that we one.
0: We do. Uh, okay. It, it's um, These are what we call the smaller guys, the flyweights. Uh, and it's um, it's Figueredo, I think is how you pronounce his name. Uh, so that's the main event. But one of the best pound-for-pound fighters, man or woman, is... Um, Valentina Shevchenko, she's defending her title against Jennifer Maya, and, and and that's a big fight, and uh, it's 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 a real good card. I'm looking forward. Shogun, who is on there? Um, Mike Perry, Mike Platinum Perry. So uh, yeah, this will be a fun pay per view, and um, we're looking forward to it. It'll be around seven o'clock uh, is when it starts, and uh,
3: it should be good. And, you know, one of the things that I've always admired about UFC is the fact that it's not just one main event. There's the co-main event, and you guys promote the entire, the whole main card and even the prelims on that. And when it comes to people like Sevchenko and, and the Lioness and that on the women's division, there's some of them that are so dominant right now that it seems like you're having hard times coming up with competitive fights sometimes for these girls because they're just so incredible.
0: Yeah. Um, I mean, that's a good point, and they we're always trying to uh, to, to call – uh, combatants and, and find new ones. And uh, yeah, that uh, Valentina is very good. And, and uh, certainly Amanda, she is, uh, she, I, I don't know if anybody can beat her, but if, if she got down in weight and Valentina went, went up, they could fight again. So that would be interesting. Uh, but when, when we talk about, and this is one of the big differences between boxing and MMA, we'll have 11 fights on this card. But that first fight might be just as good as anything on the main card, and and by giving this bonus fifty thousand dollars to the fight of the night and uh, those kind of things, these guys for three rounds it sounds like th- three five minute rounds. That's that's you got to be in such good shape. But they really come out to fight, and you can win that fifty thousand dollars the first fight as well as the last fight. So that's a pretty good incentive.
2: And Mark, and to, the, to your point, it seems like too when you go to a UFC card. You have so many early arrivers, you know. With boxing, as we know, people will start, you know, funneling. It's like going to a Dodger game. I mean, they, they show up, you know, right before the main event. It's true, right? With UFC, I mean, I I notice the the place is packed. Uh, it could be packed as early as four or five o'clock in the afternoon. Yeah,
0: uh, the
2: uh,
0: the real fans get there early, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, that part's true. And and the one thing I want to leave you with, when it comes to boxing. And this is I'm a big advocate for is if our women can fight five minute rounds, why in boxing are they still fighting two minute rounds? Uh, it's so beyond me. They should have all all boxing should be three minute rounds, man or woman. And I feel very strongly and I am an advocate and push it.
2: Mm-hmm i just wanted to say that great point my friend all right he is a longtime las vegas icon he's in the southern nevada sports hall of fame he's in several other sports hall of fames and uh always a pleasure talking with you my friend uh just again we go way way back and uh i love having you on the program love seeing you around town and uh, keep doing your thing my friend all right thanks thanks for having me on I'll keep in touch. There you go. There he is. The man who has more frequent flyer miles than anybody that I know, country to country, border to border, The marvelous one, Mark Ratner. And one thing that we didn't mention,
3: one of the nicest guys you will ever meet. I mean, Mark is just, whatever sport you're talking about or whatever else, but he's always there to shake your hand to say, hi. well, Mm. maybe knuckle bash these days or do the (laughs) elbow thing or something. But but no, just an absolute quality human being and uh, loves his sports and does a
2: tremendous Mm. job. There he is. And you'll see him at just about every event. All right, when we come back, we talk a little college football. What is going on with the Michigan Wolverines? What's happening with the South Southeastern Conference? And more COVID cancellations. We hit all of that with Houston Nut next.
0: Hey, this is Robert De Niro, and you're listening to the T.C. Martin Show. It's good.
2: Oh, there we go. That's a little suey pig coming at you right now. Ooh, big suey. There you go. All right. The old football coach himself who, and the Arkansas alum. Houston Nutt with CBS Sports joins us now. Houston, what's going on, coach? It's gotta be you. Gotta be. It is. There's no doubt about it. You never, That's you know, possible. you get it. We pull out all the punches here, my friend. You know that. And there you we go. We're getting a little suey <laughs> pig. Give me this suey pig call right now. Let's hear it. You want to hear it? I want to hear it. Woo! <laughs>
1: that about three oh you do that two more times then on that third one that third one it's
2: there
1: it is That's i think it.
2: They just it. i think they just scored a touchdown right there or if, if, hey. it, if it's last saturday they gave up they gave up a touchdown it went about uh, seven of them right yeah
1: yeah florida florida can throw and catch it kyle trask is on fire i don't know if anybody can stop him right now
2: all right, Houston. Let's talk about Kyle Trask. Since you bring it up, yeah. uh, they they beat those Razorbacks last weekend, and Florida. All of a sudden, uh, they're being talked about uh, with a chance maybe to win this SEC. And you know, can they knock off Alabama? What do you see when you see these Florida Gators? When you see Florida get Gators, you see a quarterback playing at a really high
1: level. Kyle Trask, big guy that is throwing the ball. I mean, with the the anticipation of the, the curls, the comebacks, and the trajectory of the deep ball is just outstanding. And then his receivers, you know, the, he played Saturday uh, against the Razorbacks without Kyle Pitts. But it doesn't matter uh, because they're, they're so athletic, they're so good, and their running game is getting a little bit better, a little bit better because everybody's so concerned about the passing game of, of, of Florida. They they tend to forget a little bit about that running game, and I see them getting better there. The problem is is their defense. I remember going against Florida defense in years, years past, where, woo, it was a long day to get a first down, and it's different now. You can move the ball in Florida; they're giving up some yards. That gives you a chance, but offensively, you better be ready to score because offensively, I think, man, they can they can shoot out with anybody.
2: Sixty-three points last week against the Hogs. Uh, again, yeah. they, they they pounded Georgia. You know, scored forty-four against them. Uh, 41 against Missouri. Yes, I mean, they are definitely a juggernaut. I think a lot of people question the the defense, but I want to talk to you a little bit about Dan Mullen from the coaching side, too. I mean, he has been around some controversy. Uh, give, us, give us a little background with that and uh, what's going on with him.
1: Well, I don't know if you saw the Missouri game, you know, where he came out there, you know, when his quarterback got hit, I understand that, but he came out there and really instigated. You know, he, to me, he, he kind of, threw some gasoline on the fire, you know, and uh, then you got both teams going at it. And uh, that wasn't a good look, but uh, he was trying to fire him up. And I, you mean know, I get all that and trying to protect his quarterback, but I think there's a, there's a way you can do that without trying to really create a ruckus there right before you go in for half and you get, get you get some guys suspended or, or whatever, you know, that's not, that's just not good. And so they ever, all eyes are on the head coach. They follow you. They're going to follow the head coach and uh there's a, there's so many good things that Dan Mullen has done but uh that was a little bit that's a little bit different right there uh before that half
3: I want to get back to Kyle Trask just for a second because when you look at this kid, he didn't start a game in high school at quarterback after his freshman year because there was another stud down at Marvell, Texas, the high school he went to. Rivals.com had him ranked as like 2,260 or something like that in player rankings. He was only rated as a 5.3. How did they even find this kid at Florida? Because from what they said on Rivals.com, he only had two scholarship offers you got to be a
1: little bit lucky right there because you're exactly right. I read that too, you know, and and again, that just shows how, you know, we really don't know uh, until, you know, you don't know what a 17-year-old is going to do when when he turns 19 or 20. And where I give Kyle Trask a lot of credit is, you know, he hung in there. You sit in those film rooms, you study, and you don't worry about jumping in a transfer portal, you know, after the first scrimmage. And, uh, man, uh, the way he develops – it's it's just it's unbelievable, you know, to have that many touchdown passes. What is it, six straight games of four or more? I mean, nobody's done that, and so he, he's he's just outstanding. But to get back to your question, it's a good question. Um, you know, a lot a lot of times, you know, uh, uh, quarterbacks slip through the cracks. They 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 slip through because there's a lot of uh, development going on from the age of seventeen to nineteen, twenty, and you don't always know. And you know, there's there you think you know. And, uh, you see seven on sevens and you see we, seven-on-sevens, and we get to see more uh, when they throw and catch as much as they do in, in, in today's world. But some guys, you know, d- develop late. You know, some guys uh, it takes a little while where the game has to slow down for them a little bit. And uh, I think Dan Mullen, uh, if, if, you know, they evaluated and they thought this was going to be the guy, I mean, that's a great job. But sometimes – you know, you can kind of go on a, hey, look, we we love his leadership skills. We, he's got a strong arm. He just doesn't quite have everything right now. And you and you go take a chance on a guy like that. I don't know. I wasn't in those meetings. I don't know uh, the recruiting talk. But, uh, man, you look at him now, golly, I, I just love his poise and his confidence. And uh, I, I don't see but maybe one or two balls in each game the last four or five weeks where you say, okay, that's a miss. He doesn't miss. He doesn't miss. He gives his
2: receivers a chance to go get it. And you know all about those little small nooks and crannies in Texas there about yeah. finding some talent. That's that's where you're at right now. No question. That's right. <laughs> Houston, a lot of good ones. Houston Nut uh, joins us. The former football coach does a fantastic job with CBS Sports Network and they catch him on CBS as well too. All right, Houston. Got to ask you. What do your eyes see when you look at Michigan? Because I think a lot of people, including myself, thought they would at least be competitive against a Wisconsin team who was off for three weeks, and they just got jet-raced right out of the big house again, lose to Michigan State, get blasted by Indiana, get blasted by Wisconsin. What is going on in Michigan? What's the problem? And how much of it is Jim Harbaugh and the system he's running?
1: Yeah, you know – uh, that's there's there's a couple of teams that just you just you look at them on Saturday and you think man that just doesn't seem right and that's Penn State and Michigan and um, Michigan I, I thought the first game uh, Milton I thought man okay they got a quarterback here that's going to make some things happen he he looks good and we all know the the brand I had the privilege to coach against Jim Harbaugh's father at, when he was the head coach at Western Kentucky and I was at Murray State. And so I know the DNA and the brand. I mean, they're, they're tough, hard-nosed coaches, good coaches. But I don't know. It just seems like there's something that, that that's not right. And especially you brought up the Wisconsin game. I thought, well, you know, Wisconsin's been on for a while. This is going to go to the wire here. This will be a tough because I know how bad Michigan wants to win this game. And, man, uh, Wisconsin, we all know their DNA, their powers and counters and inside zone and come downhill. But what's different is Graham Mertz. Graham Graham Mertz was twenty for twenty one the first week out, and we say, who is this guy? And the only reason he's he's not twenty one for twenty one because the receiver dropped it. So he was unbelievable, outstanding. And you add that running game with boots and waggles and play action with Graham Mertz, that's a that's a unbelievable deal. But getting back, I'm not trying to avoid it, but getting back to Michigan, Michigan. I don't know. I, it just seems like we, we know that they want to run the ball, they want to stop the run, and but but they can't do it. That for some reason it's not happening. The execution's not there, and uh, man, it seems like they're 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 losing confidence. And w- w- the way Wisconsin just beat them down, that was that was surprising to me.
3: You know, I know TC just asked you about Michigan because you expect them to be better, but how do you assess Wisconsin? Because they have missed a couple games, and quite frankly, in the Big Ten right now, is there a chance that if they miss another game or two because somebody else has a COVID outbreak that we might not see enough of them for them to get a fair shake at maybe getting to go to a bowl or even the championship series if they maybe deserve being there?
1: That, well, that's exactly right. That's the conversation that's coming, and that's what you worry about when they started so late, and then there's no room for error. You know, there's no room for, for you know, getting sick because everything is it's packed in here. But uh, we all know when you, when you hear Wisconsin, you close your eyes, you think about, okay, I can hear them play because you know they're physical, you know they're tough, they're going to run the ball, and they're going to stop the run. You know those two things. To me, what's different is Graham Mertz, the quarterback, because – that now, now they can keep you off balance. Oh, you want to you want to overpopulate the line of scrimmage? Okay, we got some one on one throws, and and we're we got a quarterback that's going to hit them. And so, man, I, I'd hate for them not to get there because I, I can't wait to see how they develop and keep going and keep improving. Because I like to see what happens, you know, with with them in the Big Ten. And uh, I just want everybody to stay healthy so we can we can finish this year.
2: All right, Houston, let's look at some of these games on Saturday. We've got surprising number nine, Indiana, against Ohio State, who is currently third. And I know Indiana has come out of nowhere, but then again, how good is Indiana? They beat Penn State. We find out Penn State's not very good. They blast Rutgers, and then they blast Michigan, and we just got done talking about them. And then they blank Michigan State, which we know is not very good as well, too. Now they've got to face this Buckeye team. How do you handicap this game?
1: I'm going to tell you, Indiana, and we're not talking about basketball. We're talking about football, <laughs> University of Indiana. Michael Penix, to me, is the guy that's made the difference. Their defense is really good. They're making things happen, getting turnovers. Coach Allen, to me, has done a great job. You can feel the connection he has with his players. where uh, they play with passion. But it's Michael Penix. When you watch him play and watch the way he can extend plays, the way he can run, the way he can throw, He's making things happen, so all of a sudden you think, okay, this this game could be interesting. So I, I do think it'll be interesting for a while. I just think Ohio State has too much, too many athletes. But the one thing about Indiana when they come to play this week, hey, they're not going to be scared. They're not going to flinch. Uh, they're they're going to think they belong right now. So it's going to be interesting to see can they match that confidence. If you know if, if Ohio State gets on the board first, can they say, okay, that's uh, let's shake it off, or or. Does Ohio State do what they've been doing to a lot of people? They just keep rolling. I think it's going to be a little closer than what people think. I think Indiana's going to fight because of, uh, of Michael Bendix. I, I just don't think they can win this game because I think uh, Ohio State, Justin Fields, and the crew, just said, they have too many.
2: Last year, 51-10, to 10, this game, Ohio State. Yeah. and you know It won't be that. Right. It won't be that.
3: You <laughs> know, it's interesting, too, because you talk about this stuff, and I know I find myself holding my breath and crossing my fingers every week that we do play the games because how upsetting was it last week, although Ohio State was a big favorite again, that we didn't get to see them against Maryland and Tua's little brother, who seems like he's uh, becoming a pretty decent quarterback at Maryland as well. All of a sudden, the Big Ten's got some good young quarterbacks.
1: They do, they do, and that is disappointing, you know, because Maryland, as you said, had just kind of got on the road, they got some confidence, I was really anxious to see how, they, how they'd how they play, um, and so, boy, that that's, man, that's just a big concern, and I think, I think everybody's got to be a little flexible now, maybe add a week or so, because I, I just don't know, I just don't see how you're going to get it all in, you know, when you start that late in the
2: season, I, I just don't see how you're going to get it in. All right, Oklahoma State and Oklahoma, Bedlam in Norman bedlam. this weekend. What, what do you think, my man? That's Bedlam. That's
1: Bedlam. Now, yep. can you believe that we're talking about Big 12 and we're talking about defenses? <laughs> Guys, the Big Twelve, the Big 12's playing some defense this year. Look at West Virginia. You look at Oklahoma here lately. Uh, Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State has done such a good job on defense, creating turnovers, creating some uh, – some the what they do with some stunts up in, in the line of scrimmage there on the defensive line. Uh they're athletic. And then I I'm I'm anxious to see can Spencer Sanders, Chuba Hubbard, uh Tylen Wallace, can these guys make enough plays to to go win this game? Remember remember now Gundy's about two and thirteen versus Oklahoma. He's two and thirteen. There's a lot of tradition with Oklahoma. Oklahoma has dominated, going all the way back to I don't care if it's Bud Wilkerson, Barry Switzer, you can go all the way back uh between these these two schools it's been Oklahoma. But this year could be different. I, I for some reason I got a feeling that Oklahoma State could win this ball game. But uh everybody, you know, that I talked to said, no, 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 no. Oklahoma's just now getting on a roll. They're coming now. Spencer Rattler is just now coming. So and I see that. They're improving. But I want to go with the school I graduated from. I'm going with Oklahoma State
2: there you, and the thing about this is Houston, you talk about the defense in the Big Twelve there's still these ridiculous high scores. you got to remember, six, Oklahoma scored 62 points in each of their last two games. Now, I understand it was Kansas 62-9 two weeks ago, and before that, they beat Texas Tech 62-28. to 28. And remember that shootout we saw with Oklahoma and Texas. I mean, they're still uh, – you need a calculator for the scoreboard operator. They're still in the Big 12. You know
1: what's amazing when you bring that up, TC? I think about the – the coaches that I played for, I played for Frank Broyles, Lou Holtz, Jimmy Johnson, and um, and Pat Jones was the defense coordinator. I and I worked for Pat Jones. They would all say, "Hey, y'all just get twenty four points on offense, and we'll take care of the rest over on defense." Right. You know that was kind of the mindset. For now, you're talking about six. You're in the sixties. You're in the sixties. Hey, you better score some points these days. And that's like Florida. You're talking about Florida. Hey, Florida is going to score on any. I just. I feel so good about their offense. They're going to score. But can they stop, say, Alabama? I don't think so. So who's it, what's it going to be? Last one with the ball?
2: Yeah. <laughs> hey, okay, so Houston uh, with CBS, we love those Saturday SEC games, the twelve thirty special here on the West Coast. But guess what? We're not going to get that Saturday. Uh-huh. The, you know what we're getting? We're getting a Mountain West game on national television, San Diego State and Nevada. That's what we're getting. Yeah. No Alabama, no Auburn, no LSU, not even Arkansas. I, we got Mountain West, Houston, in, which you're familiar with. You're, you know, you're a former Boise State oh, coach very, as well. Very familiar. What's very going familiar on here, man? You, what are we doing to my Saturday? I could get that at 730 at night here.
1: Hey, hey it's called COVID. It's called 2020.
2: We're in a different world. We're in
1: uncharted waters. is the last two weeks, our CBS crew... Rick Neuheisel, Adam Zucker, Brian Jones. Hey, they hadn't been able to go to work and bring that game to you. You know, we got Alabama and LSU canceled last week. Right. So, it's just the times, man. But, hey, don't get mad about San Diego State and Nevada. <laughs> they don't, they're on our station a lot. I, I love those teams. I think, I think that's good football. Hey, uh, San Diego State's physical, tough team. Nevada's playing well. Hey.
2: Hey, let's take a good look at them. Come on. Oh, I'm just saying, I get a chance to see him too often. I get to see him in person here. I, I miss my <laughs> okay, SEC, I you know? You. I, at least, I got you. I got you. I, I'll, I'll even yeah. take the Suey pig. I want some Suey pig instead of that. You well, know? See,
1: that's what happens. You know, they're all scheduled up.
3: And,
1: yeah. and we, CBS just can't go and, hey, we want this game now since our game got canceled. We can't do that. Mm-hmm.
3: You know, you're, you're talking about 2020 and COVID and all that kind of stuff, and we saw the Pac-12 get a little creative last week by taking two teams that had games canceled, and they're like, well, these are the two teams that can play, so they put them together and they played a game on Sunday. What are those meetings yeah. like with you guys right now with, uh, are there alternative plans to all the games you're playing in that in case something does get canceled and you have to make a last-second game change or something like that? Because I'm, I'm sure there's a lot of dominoes that you're hoping fall into place, but sometimes things in this day and age get a little bit askew and go off the rails.
1: Right, right. Well, you know, I'm not privy to be in those meetings. That's higher up for me. But, but you're right. I, I think the Sunday, I think that's flexible. I mean, that's that's being fle- very flexible, having that flexibility. In 2020, as you mentioned, I just think that these are some of the things that we're going to have to do to get this season done and get get these games played. Is you might have to play on a Sunday afternoon. You might have to, uh, you know, reschedule. Maybe take one more week. I know you had everything scheduled for this week, but you might have to push things back another week. So I'm not in those conversations, but I got a feeling that's what's been tossed around, and you just got to stay tuned. And I just hope everybody. Hey, wash your hands, wear your mask when you're supposed to, stay you know, stay with the protocol and do what they tell you to do, players and coaches.
2: All right. Houston, before we let you go, uh, there's one game on the schedule that's probably going to be under the radar, and I want to get your opinion on this. And uh, Cincinnati is making a lot of noise, and they got a great defense. They're seventh in the country right now. But this UCF team, I know they lost a couple games early on, but this team is averaging 600 yards a game, and they're yeah. hosting Cincinnati <laughs> this week. Could there be right. an upset special here? Because UCF, they've got some athletes. they got some speed. You're
1: not kidding, man. You've got to watch that. I'm glad you brought this game up because I, I, we've been talking about this game. This game, watch Dylan Gabriel. Dylan Gabriel is a quarterback for UCF. He throws a beautiful ball, and he is so accurate. And you're right. His supporting cast, there's speed around him. Now, UCF has their work cut out for them because, hey, Cincinnati, Coach Fickle, he has his team playing at a high level. And then their defense is tough and rugged and physical. And then Desmond Ritter, the quarterback for Cincinnati, he's another guy that can move around, extend play. Isn't it amazing the teams that are winning at a high level, they have quarterbacks that can make things happen. You can't be a statue in, in, in this today's world. you got to be able to move, escape, extend, improvise. Desmond Ritter can do that and uh, when you watch these two quarterbacks there you're going to see two good ones now Dylan Gabriel and Desmond Ritter very very good I think Cincinnati's going to have what it takes to win right now boy they are focused and the the, the way they're playing defense is oh is a throwback I mean they hit you in the mouth and pick you up and say hey we'll see you here in uh 40 seconds or 25 seconds or whatever they snap the ball mm-hmm.
2: All right, my friend, we will let you get back to it. You can catch him on the CBS Sports Network as well as CBS. He is Houston Nutt, the former football coach, and uh, does a fantastic job on the CBS side. My friend, always great visiting with you. We're going to try to hit you up next week. Uh, and if I don't next week, have yourself a happy Thanksgiving. I know you're probably going to go shoot your own turkey or something. But gobble, gobble, my friend. <laughs> All right, my man. you t- have a great one. You got it. There he is. Houston Nutt. always love having houston on the program bringing some energy and some knowledge to the college football side here on the show
3: yeah definitely and uh we got a little bit of time here i want to do a throw in one more terrible tuesday type of thing Mm -hmm. here to wrap things up because you know back in 2010 barack obama was the president of the united states and you know how youth sports and that how parents can be kind of crazy at little league baseball games basketball games peewee football pop warner football whatever well Barack's daughter, Sasha, was playing on a basketball team back then. The team, Barack said, well, it wasn't really good. They, they weren't really getting it together. So him and another woman who went on to play at Duke decided, well, let's give them a couple pointers on that. So they went and watched a couple practices, drew up a couple plays for them. The girls started getting a little bit more confident, and they started winning some games. So Barack kind of became the coach. And he went to the games, and they started winning more. And then the playoffs went. And they won and they won. They actually won the championship, 18-16. to But the other parents were so incensed because they said it was an unfair advantage because the other teams in the league didn't have the leader of the free world coaching their teams. So Barack said because there was so much criticism, he just stepped aside and said it's not worth the hassle
2: anymore. I guess Sasha was a little bit upset that her dad wasn't going to be coaching anymore. But he's like, look, honey, I can't. You know, that reminds me of the story when Frank Calindo comes on the show and, and he told us he was coaching his kid's flag football team and the opposing coaches were were upset. They're saying, hey, you're using John Gruden and John Madden's plays. You're calling out Spider 2, why banana? So, yeah, parents uh, sometimes, as we say, just don't understand,
3: as we know, right? Some, sometimes, uh, boy, they get vicious in those stands
2: sometimes, <laughs> vicious. All right. Hey, don't forget to get the William Hill mobile app and get the uh, $50 per, uh, fifty in your account when you open up a new account. Deposit at least $50. Use the promo code TC50 at WilliamHill.us or any of the great sports books, uh, including The Cosmopolitan. All right, want to thank Houston Nutt for joining us, Mark Ratner from the UFC, and Steve Berline as well. If you miss any part of this show, the past shows, go to tcmartinshow.com for ballpark Frank TC saying so long. We'll catch you tomorrow. At two.